politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight once again for our life, liberty, and property. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here at CR Podcast. Today, Thursday, May 12th. And as we've been noting the last two weeks, the right to life is not just about opposing abortion. Let's not get distracted solely on that issue. It is about whole life from conception until natural death. It's about auditing all of the policies that our government and the, the masters of the universe are doing to degrade our ability to live. Medical care, right? They're blocking proper medical, medical care, foisting poisonous products upon us, literally mandating them, marketing them, boxing out our options, food supply, baby formula, all this stuff. And notice Bill Gates and, and the like seem to be behind all of it. Certainly behind the medical cartel and Big Pharma. Certainly behind the food supply. Buying up all, of, uh, all the farms. Baby formula. They shut down the largest uh, baby formula plant in America in uh, Sturgis, Michigan. The Abbott plant. What was going on there? Sounds very fishy. We'll get into that in the coming days. But today I want to discuss another sphere of this. And that is the drug poisoning. But this is not your grandfather's drug crisis. This is not about the marijuana they smoked in college in the 1960s. This is chemical warfare brought to you by China and the Mexican cartels, and our own government, and Big Pharma all working together. Don't think the clot shots are the first and only way that they're poisoning us. These are all different ways that we cannot avoid them. It's not like we could just mind our own business and hope for the best. If we don't fight, our life is literally at stake. Forget about our values and our country. That's what we used to fight for. Now your ability to literally survive... They'll foist illnesses upon you and block the care for it. They'll block the food supply, vital goods and services. Biden announced he's cutting off all oil and gas leases in Alaska and the Gulf of Mexico. It's all done on purpose. They're not even hiding it. And they don't care if the Democrats lose the election because the Republicans are the other hand of it. But the drugs are also something you can't avoid. I want to delve into that. Why? Even though seemingly you think, I I ain't taking that poison. I'm certainly like that too. But I want to discuss that today with a special, very special guest um, and really delve into this in depth. But first, we'll kind of frame the issue. Today's show is sponsored by Masterworks. Look at a time like... Still got my cold here. At a time like today, when basically you have a volatile stock market, you have paper money worth nothing, where do you invest? You have to invest in something tangible and durable. Believe it or not, one of the hottest markets on earth is an unexpected alternative, and that is art. It's surprising to hear that people invest in art unless you know the statistics. It's got a 0.01 correlation to public equities, which means it is the best thing you can imagine for diversification. Its returns have outpaced the S&P by 164%. For the past 25 years. Um, But investing in art is no longer for billionaires. Anyone can do it through Masterworks. They have the really the first platform letting anyone add shares of famous art to their portfolio. So you don't have to purchase something for a million dollars. And I know a lot of you are in the same boat as me. You're wondering where do you put your money? Can't make anything in bonds. Stocks are crazy now. So here's the deal. Listen up. My listeners can skip Masterworks' wait list by going directly to masterworks.art, not .com, .art, A-R-T, slash conservative. That's masterworks.art, slash conservative. See important regulation aid disclosures at masterworks.io, slash CD. So I want to start off with the fact that yesterday there was big news. Nothing we didn't know already because I already saw it on their dashboard, but the CDC announced there were almost 108,000 Um, drug overdose deaths in America. 
okay, this is in 2021, 15% increase from 2020, which in itself was a 30% increase over the previous year. It's more than double it was in 2013, I believe. So, you know, we used to be like, oh my gosh, 30, 40,000 people die a year. Now the new normal is over 100,000 every year and it goes up and up and up. And the thing is, this is not just your kind of like traditional druggies. I mean, certainly you have that America's messed up, the guys that are on the meth and the heroin and all that's going up. But it's roping in a cohort of wealthier families with, with kids. And look, I ain't taking any of this stuff, but you never know. I got four kids. And it used to be, all right, you know, you get roped into a bad crowd, you experiment one time, and you can get them off of it. Now, you make a mistake one time, your kid is dead. Because it is a poisoning from the Chinese funding the Mexican cartels, giving them the precursors, then they... They make it in their dirty labs, and they bring it over the border, okay? They bring it over the border. And the thing about this is it's not a matter of needles. So you might have a kid who'll never take a needle. He'll avoid that pack of heroin, right? He's never going to do that. But what they do now is they put fentanyl in counterfeit pills that look like prescription drug pills, and people who need them, and then they can't get them because they're clamping down on doctors prescribing, guess what? They get roped into that. And, I mean, we all know people in our lives. Suddenly, you know, someone's like, yeah, their kid is dead. A lot of people are like, oh, they don't want to kill people off. They don't want to kill people off. Well, you know, I think those days are over with. I don't think the cartels care because they make so much money. If they lose a bunch of people, too, on the way to it, it doesn't matter. And the Chinese certainly want us dead. Believe me, there are many, many ways that they are trying to kill us. We are a bunch of lab rats. They're destroying us. You could not possibly have conceived a more odious set of policies than what our government has done the last number of years on drugs. It's the worst of all worlds. Okay? So the governments, they invite in the criminal aliens so that you increase the supply. They would go and basically legalize drugs at a criminal justice angle, but not at a medical angle. So in other words, they're clamping down on prescriptions more than ever, and people are not dying from prescription. They're like the opioid crisis. The, the prescription deaths have been flat for, for more than a decade. They've not gone up at all. This entire increase, you know, when you look at, you know, you used to have 40,000 drug deaths a year, and now it's 108,000. That entire increase is from um, mainly fentanyl, but also meth and cocaine and heroin, some of it laced with fentanyl, and then the fentanyl in these, you know, th these pills. So basically what they did is, this is another part of COVID fascism. It ties all into it. They made our country sick and unhealthy. Horrible health care for years, even before COVID. So they had no choice but to go, go along with Big Pharma for the pain meds. And really, you know, now that we've had these Patriot doctors on, there's much better ways of dealing with inflammation. But the reality is because we haven't, and we have record number of autoimmune, muscular skeletal problems, people with chronic pain. So at the end of the day, they need those pills to get rid of the pain until we shift our focus on healthcare, which we need to do. So they went and cut off those prescriptions, but then they de basically decriminalized it at a criminal end and basically greenlit all the traffickers to traffic it, opened up the borders. I just want to give you some numbers to conceptualize what we're talking about. In fiscal year 2019, there were roughly 2,800 pounds of fentanyl caught at the border. It doubled to about 4,800 in 2020. In 2021, last year, it was 11,200 pounds. And for FY 2022, we're outpacing that already. At the same time, opioid dispensing rates have plummeted since their peak in 2013. Prescription rates are now at 43.3 per hundred, roughly half the peak of a decade ago. So prescriptions are down 50%. 
but seizures at the border are up, yeah, astronomically, you know, thousands of percent. You see what I'm saying? You could not have done a worse thing on drugs. It's the worst mix of all of prohibition and permissibility of all ends. You couldn't have, have conjured up a worse policy. And then, of course, we spent over $300 billion the past decade. I counted it up, like $315, 320000000000 billion. Every year it goes up exponentially um, on these like anti-drug programs, these you know NGO parasitic rent seekers in government and all their stupid programs. We spent all that money getting no results but exponential increase in deaths every year. So remember... It, 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 it skyrocketed with the 2013-2014 border crisis. That was the first thing. Then it finally started to bend back 2018-2019 a little bit. And then COVID came. And then the border surge came. The worst ever. And those two together, both on the demand side and the supply side, you made the country and a generation of youth more depressed than ever, more suicidal than ever. Okay, they were locked down with no one around, a lot easier to overdose. Then you made people sick as ever by poisoning us with COVID, then poisoning us with the COVID shots. So a lot of people are in pain. No treatment because they destroyed medical care. And then we have nowhere to go. But, you know, the black market, which is everywhere. So they ramped up the supply, decriminalized that, created a demand for it, destroyed the mental and physical health of an entire generation. That, in a nutshell, is our drug crisis. But I want to discuss this and how it ties back in the border in China with our special guest today. Um, our guest segment is sponsored by one of our new sponsors, Fast Growing Trees. Folks, don't you hate going to you know, Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever, and you get your car all messy with the dirty plants, and then they fall while you're driving back and get decapitated. Here, fast-growing plants, fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative. Everything they sell is cared for by a team of expert growers, but they ship it to your door within a day or two. Um, They have a 30-day alive and thrive guarantee. You could trust everything will be healthy for years to come. Very high quality. I just bought... Bought a bunch of very beautiful hydrangeas for my garden. Um, it's one of my favorite things to do, stress reliever. I love going outside and working on the yard. And especially for those of you in northern climates, it's it's not too late this year. In fact, now is the time to do it. They have um, a great feature on the website, uh, problem solver. So if you want shade, if you want... Uh, privacy, what you're trying to do with those shrubs or trees, they'll work out the best options for you. Um, again, let's go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative right now, and my audience will get 15% off their entire order. Again, it's 15% off fastgrowingtrees.com slash conservative. Make sure your dream yard doesn't turn into a graveyard. So obviously this show... Thank God and thankful to you has grown exponentially the last number of years. So with that, I'm going to be able to tell which of you was with me from day one and which of you guys are new. One of our old time guests that we're bringing back today is a dear friend of mine, Derek Maltz, one of the most patriotic men around, a guy who really cares about this country uh, kind of the old school law enforcement before federal law enforcement went to hell in a handbasket. Derek was a former DEA special operations division head uh, for about a decade under under Bush and Obama. He was previously the chief of the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force. He worked for about three decades in federal law enforcement. And he's been warning about these quantum leaps in the drug crisis that it's not about the way you view drugs anymore. This is a chemical poisoning warfare. This is an act of war. You know, we're sitting and focusing on Ukraine obsessively. Um, Derek actually lost a brother in Afghanistan um, during the early part of the war on terror, only to have our government turn a blind eye to the war right on our border that really affects our people more than almost anything you can imagine. So with us today is Derek to discuss this and more. Derek, thanks so much for coming back. It's been way too long. 
Daniel, thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure talking to somebody that really understands the deep issues that we're facing right now in America. So I appreciate the invite. Sure. I've been meaning to do this for a while. And then I saw you at that press conference on the border with uh, my buddy, Congressman Chip Roy. And I was like, man, it's been a long time. It's been like three years since I've had you. So I want to start with the border stuff. I gave my audience a statistic showing that you know, the, the fentanyl crisis, which really changed the face of the drug crisis, took off, I want to say 2013, 2014, um, and it got worse every year. And then around 2018, 2019, finally we started to bend the trajectory. It was going back down. And then 2020 hit, and between the stupid lockdowns and the de- crisis of depression they induced on a generation of young people, and then the border numbers it went from you know 2,400 pounds in, in FY 2019, 4,800 the next year, and then 11,600 um, in 2021, still going up this year. Could you trace for us the sort of paper trail of who's behind this and how it's different from when you first got into drug enforcement in the 90s? Daniel, thank you for that. I mean, it's a lot of information, but I'll try to you know, make it as concise as I can. So from my viewpoint, working many years in the Special Operations Division and also running the New York Drug Enforcement Task Force, I got some exposure to the heroin crisis back in the 90s when the Colombian traffickers started selling very pure white heroin. And obviously, we started to see a uh, very uh, new population of, of folks getting addicted So they were marketing to the kids, the white heroin, and this started like in the early 90s. And then what happened was they were undercutting the other, you know, suppliers from Southwest and Southeast Asian heroin. They started building up their business. And then all of a sudden in the mid 90s, Purdue Pharma came out with Oxycontin, right? And over the years, like with the pill mills and early 2000s, and what we started seeing is just like this out of control uh, opioid uh, use in America. And that's because if you look at Statistically, Washington posted a nice investigative story over a nine year period. There were 100 billion opioid pills dumped into America. So a lot of people were getting addicted. A kid goes in and gets root canal. The doctor gives them 50 pills. They get addicted. They go to the street. They're using heroin. So this is going on for a while. Right. And, and one of the big things, Daniel, I want you to know is that there were no prosecutions of these corporate cartels because it's all about the money with them as well. We can get into that later. But yeah, and we've certainly was, talked about a lot of that the last couple of years in your absence on this yeah. show with uh, with the shots and all the therapeutics we're seeing them block and the ones they're pushing. So I think my audience could certainly believe that uh, uh, we have our own cartel in America, just like the Mexican cartel. Exactly. Exactly. So what happened was, though, we, really, we started seeing like the, the Mexican cartels in like in 2006, as an example, they had a fentanyl lab in Tuluma, Mexico, we started seeing overdose deaths all over the Midwest. It was something we've never seen or I've never seen in history of the country. No one knew what it was. It was the Mexican cartels experimenting with this poison and, and called fentanyl, right? Synthetic opioid. But then they, they used their long and established partnership with China and the Chinese chemical brokers, and they started getting more and more mass amounts of precursor chemicals for methamphetamine. That's why, if you remember 2007, it was, I'm sorry, yeah, 2007, it was $207 million seized in Chinese chemical broker's house in Mexico City. So we realized the magnitude of the chemicals. Then if you flash forward, Daniel, and you know this very well, 2009, we started seeing the bombing beginning out of China with the K2, the spice, synthetic drugs, bath salts. And no one in America knew what it was, including me as the head of the SOD operation. We started seeing emergency uh, visit, emergency visits. We started seeing poison control centers going up, respiratory failures, deaths, and people were smoking this stuff in the little packets sold in the bodegas, the gas stations all over America. And then we started doing operations, started attacking it. We sent informants into labs in China, taking pictures how they were producing these these poisonous substances. But then, Daniel, the game changes started when the U.S. put a lot of pressure on China on the K2 and the spice. They started, for whatever reason, going to fentanyl. 2012, 2013, we started seeing a lot of deaths in the New England area, in Florida, Chinese fentanyl coming in the mail. And then you flash forward, 
at this point, the Colombian traffickers had already turned over their white heroin business to the Mexican cartels. So their business was running wild. And then all of a sudden we started seeing fentanyl everywhere in America in, embedded with, integrated with the Mexican cartel and distribution networks. And then when President Trump put all the pressure on China and they, they started scheduling the analogs, the Chinese started switching their operations and started primarily shipping the precursor chemicals to make fentanyl in the labs. And that's when the, the business changed because the Mexican cartels have the distribution outlets all over this country, every city, and they started pumping out this poison. And now that's why the numbers are off the charts, staggering. And we have kids as young as 13 years old dying in their rooms at their computers as they're on Snapchat and Instagram and Facebook, and they're ordering these pills online. So it's an out-of-control mess. Wow. The is facilitating because the, the cartels, as you know, Daniel, they are going to take advantage of all vulnerabilities. They see the weak security at the border. They see the weak leadership in Washington, D.C. They see what's going on. They're not dumb. They're a multi-billion dollar enterprise. And they don't care about killing Americans. They care about making money. And they're going to addict as many American citizens as they can to this opioid. And they're going to try to maximize profits. But in the meantime, we're losing 295 Americans a day. And right now, we're not really having a sense of urgency. The DEA administrator and some others in law enforcement are kicking butt, doing the best they can, saving lives. But what I'll say, Daniel, because you mentioned this, Joe Biden's talking about the potential consequences of, uh, you know, a, a chemical or nuclear attack on Ukrainian citizens. And I agree with that. There should be consequences. However, he's talking nothing about the chemical attack on our future generation right now. And I deal with the families every day, so I know what's going on around America. And the other thing, Daniel, as you know, you know, Joe Biden designated Kamala Harris, the vice president, as the border czar. Where the hell has she been? She hasn't been to the border but one time, and she was in El Paso, which is not the real border, okay? What, where, she hasn't gone to Rio Grande Valley. I was there in April. And it's a mess, and it's one story after another. The Border Patrol can no longer do border security. They are consumed with migrant processing, babysitting, and paperwork. And they're pissed off. The morale is going down. And it's an absolute catastrophic mess. The other thing, Daniel, that what I learned in the border, a couple of really fascinating things, really scary. 9,000 drones have come into America from Mexico, surveilling mm -hmm. our Border Patrol, surveilling our, our law enforcement, looking at stash houses, moving migrants, moving drugs. The other thing is, is the Godaway numbers. We're looking at 65, 67,000 known Godaways last month. Those are people that are just running across the border that no one knows who the hell they are. So Hezbollah, you have all these terror groups in Yemen and Iran and China and Russia, all these people that hate America. They can easily be sending mass amounts of people over the border by paying the cartels and getting into this country, and we have no idea who they are, what they're doing, who sent them, and what the hell their plans are. So it's a national security emergency on top of a public health crisis and a humanitarian disaster. All together, I mean, the drone thing is really scary. That's an act of war. And the fact that we're sending tens of billions of dollars in weapons um, in Ukraine, because uh, I guess the Middle East wars dried up, and... You know, it's got to keep flowing, but you're never allowed to spend it on our own border. And I never understood that. There's nothing that affects us more directly. And I want you to talk, I want to go, come back to the border issue, but I want to talk about um, the human aspect of this. One of the things that I always predicted was that over time, these teenagers would get the message when they would see three classmates dead. You know, in other words... The way I understand this, and again, I'm, I'm, I might be a year off, but I'm putting it around 2013, 2014 when this started. I'll never forget Ted Cruz's campaign. One, one of the guys told me, you know, when they were doing door knocking in New Hampshire, one of the early primary states. So, uh, you know, they wanted to talk about Obamacare and whatever other issue was was hot at the time. And the people there, and these were more like middle upper class homes, um, kind of not so much the inner cities or Appalachia. This is... New Hampshire, and they want, they were talking about people dropping from the drugs because that's when it started where you had this, you know, phenomenon where 
kids that never really got into it before, maybe they make one mistake. So in the past, okay, the parent finds out, tries to get them off of it. Now they're dead because it's laced with the poison. Um, and, and that was the big issue. It took people by surprise. But I thought over time, people would realize, like, dude, this is not cool anymore um, like it was before where it takes a while to kind of get addicted over time and whatever, and you don't maybe feel it so much initially here you have so many people that are just dying like russian roulette and then it did appear like the number started to go down and i was wondering if that's what happened how come people aren't getting the message well a couple of things daniel first of all the government is not putting out the powerful messages we don't have psas on primetime tv we don't have professional athletes and celebrities speaking out about fentanyl we have athletes, we have actors, we have, you know, very, very wealthy, influential people that are dying from fentanyl deaths, but we're not having any conversation. The DEA administrator in September issued the first emergency warning nationally on national TV, and they have their one pill can kill campaign. And we're working now, like we had the first ever fentanyl day yesterday. There's another fentanyl day coming up in August. There's a rally coming up in Washington, D.C. But the mainstream media, Daniel, is not putting this out because it's not politically popular to talk about this crisis because it's coming from the southern border. Yes. Now, let me let me give you a good example. The president himself in December said that the drug crisis is now an unusual and an extraordinary threat to the national security of America. He formed the Transnational Crime Council and he and he signed executive orders to to make like they were going to deal with this problem. But the fundamental question, Daniel, and you're a lot smarter than me then why the hell is the border still wide open? I mean, that's like 101. Somebody in third grade can understand that. So the other thing, Daniel, social media is, is taking over the world in a good way as well as a bad way. I mean, we all use social media. We love social media, and we appreciate the hard work in Silicon Valley. The problem is it's helping facilitate the movement of these pills and this deadly poison, and the kids are all over it. They're not paying attention to national news. And let's be honest, the COVID crisis caused a lot of depression, social anxiety, uh, social isolation, you know, isolation. And kids are just like not really doing the things that kids are supposed to do anymore, at least for that two-year period. So they started using more and more pills, I believe. Okay. I, I think that the, the parents are disconnected in a lot of places from their kids because they're busy. They're trying to, you know, earn a living. They're trying to make money. Some of them have lost jobs. Some of them have lost relatives, yep. fathers, mothers, uncles, aunts. So there's a combination of a million things. But at the end of the day, it's the government's responsibility to make sure that the U.S. population is protected and is safe. Dan, you remember 1982 when there was a Tylenol poisoning in America where they had cyanide and it was like seven dead Americans from from Tylenol deaths and poisonings? The whole world knew about it. They had front page news stories. They had national news. They had commercials. And everyone was understanding you don't take Tylenol. They had recalls. Right now, you have something we've never seen in the history of the country, and the White House is not really talking about it. They're actually confusing America by calling it an opioid overdose crisis. No, this is a chemical weapon. It's a chemical on- warfare. because it's, it's unrestricted warfare from China, and it's, a, it's poisonings and murders. It's not yeah. overdoses. Because overdoses I, 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 have the, um, I have the numbers right in front of me as we're talking from CDC, and the prescription – deaths you know so that that came about obviously with the advent of the painkillers in the 90s but if you look at the last decade the entire baseline increase so we went from about you know 40,000 deaths a year to 108,000 over the last decade that entirety of that increase is all fentanyl and then to a certain extent meth cocaine and heroin is all the illicit drugs but I, I like what you're saying it's not a matter of oh they just overdose it's that they didn't know it was laced with that or you know they thought they were getting a pill and it was really fentanyl or something else in it god knows what else who knows maybe rat poison or just crazy stuff in there and that's a it's a deliberate chemical poison so a lot of people are like well why would they want to kill off their it's real simple it's it's real simple i get asked that question all the time what people don't realize is the mexican cartels only care about making money they do not care if they lose 25% of their customers. They know that now that they're adding fentanyl in, in cocaine, in methamphetamine, uh, in these counterfeit pills, 
that their business is booming. And now they have multi-billions of dollars from the migrant smuggling. So they're making more money now than ever. And by the way, Daniel, here's what nobody really talks about. And it, it drives me crazy because the reason they're able to be so profitable and so active is because the lack of security, so they could push all their contraband and their people into America. But they have the Chinese transnational criminals doing all their money laundering now. And they have instant access to cash because of the social, uh, you know, the apps and the encrypted apps, the, the Chinese, you know, WePay and, and all these different, you know, applications that they can use that the U.S. law enforcement can infiltrate. They're moving money. They're doing shadow uh, financial transactions with their bank accounts in China. They're using Chinese students in America to pick up large amounts of cash from the drug traffickers. So this is a dynamic that has changed. We've never seen it. But remember this, Daniel, and never forget this. There's two things. Kids are supposed to learn from mistakes, not die from their mistakes. We all made mistakes growing up. Yeah. But the kids today, they don't believe they're going to die from taking yeah. the Adderall pill. Look what, look what happened in Ohio State last week. Two dead at Ohio State during finals time. One of the uh, girls I was reading, pre-med, neuroscience major, she took what she thought was an Adderall pill yes. because kids in college take Adderall pills exactly. to stay awake, and she died. She she wasn't your was like poison. Yeah, she wasn't your druggie sitting in an alley with the needles. Yes. That's that's exactly. the thing. It's roping in. So you know, a lot of you know, in the past, I would have said, you know, I'm I'm in a very religious community, and like, yeah, we're not into this stuff. We don't do this. But you know, you have kids, and any one of them can make a mistake in that respect. And that that's the big part of this. Uh, it's chemical warfare. It's one of the many dimensions of China's asymmetrical warfare. But then we have it. But they could only do it because we have a border where um, the cartels have political protection on both sides of the border. Um, is it correct to assert that we are helping the cartels in multiple ways? So, number one, because of the illegal immigration that we allow and basically legalized it. So they make a ton of money off of the human smuggling so they can go and afford more poison. Number two, a lot of those illegals turn out to be the traffickers for them in order to pay off the peso. Um, and a lot of their, you know, obviously at a local level, it's Americans roped into it, but at a primary trafficking level, isn't the growth of illegal immigration going to help the flow of, of drugs? Yeah, so Daniel, one thing just to be fair, right? The vast majority of these people coming into America are very poor. They're trying to escape these narco-terrorist dictators and corrupt government officials. They want a better life. They want a job in America. And quite frankly, they want free, they want free meals. They want free education, free health care. And that's the bottom line. But remember, the cartels control the border. They send their contraband across the border. They bring the cash and the guns south of the border. And they are deliberately flooding the zones for the Border Patrol so they can, you know, cause them to be focused on the migrants and they can continue doing their business with the drugs and the people. But now I'll give you a good example. In November, the DEA in Atlanta seized a probably one of the largest labs of meth ever in the U.S. Sixteen hundred pounds was being made in Atlanta. They were all illegals running the lab. Yes. So so with the cartels are able to send their command and control leadership from Mexico, who they trust into this country so yes. much easier. So when people get arrested and people go to jail or people get killed or whatever, they can easily replace them because they have so much control of the border. The other thing is you're 100% correct, but, but here's the thing that people gotta realize. The, the, peop, the migrants coming to the border are coming from 160 countries now. I just got briefed on that recently by Brandon Judd and other experts from the Border Patrol. And you're talking about from China, Russia, Yemen, right, Iran, all over the world. It's not just the Northern Triangle countries and Mexico. So it's very complex of what's going on on the border, but the cartels are going to take total advantage of that. And here's the other thing. Don't ever forget this, Daniel, because I know you're very good about studying this stuff. The Chinese have weaponized America's addiction to drugs and is now attacking the nation under the disguise of simple drug addiction. And they're using the cartels as proxies to do the dirty work as just like Hezbollah is used by Iran to do the dirty work, right? And so that's the other thing that's going on. I mean, you know from Project Cassandra, we did the, the case uh, in DEA to, to show the total integration of Hezbollah terrorists 
and the Mexican cartels. Yep. The main guy was indicted for moving the proceeds of 85,000 kilograms of Los Zetas cocaine. So this is a complete nightmare at our border. It's going to get worse before it gets better. But all they got to do is go back to the policies that were initiated uh, under Trump, you know, remain in Mexico and, and the wall construction, all that stuff that was working. Uh, Dan, you know, going back to stats, because I want to make sure you get this stat, because this is really, really important. The DEA in Phoenix in 2015, they seized zero Mexican oxy pills in DEA Phoenix because they weren't being sent in at that point. Last year, they seized over 12 million. The DEA administrator reported that the DEA last year seized 20,400,000 pills and 15,000 pounds of fentanyl in America. Now, you know what that means? Their lab has done an analysis on all the pills, and their lab has determined that 40% of those pills have a potentially lethal dose of fentanyl. So think about what we're talking about. We are losing our kids like we've never lost them in, a, in the history of this country. And by the way, we've been talking about this for years, to designate the cartels as a terrorist and start taking out their production labs, their, their chemical weapon production labs. And the politicians and the bureaucrats in Washington won't go for that because it's too aggressive. It's too aggressive, but there's nothing, we, there's nothing what, too what's, aggressive what's in Mexico Ukraine. Doing? Nothing too and what, aggressive. And what's, and, and what's Mexico doing to keep our kids safe? So at what point do you say enough is enough, Mexico, you're either with us or, yeah. or you're without out us. Use these high-powered drones that we have in Mexico, in, in America, and start at least taking out these labs. We're not looking for a war with Mexico. We love Mexico as far as the people in Mexico. We don't want to hurt them. We want to destroy the cartel's ability to make this dangerous chemical weapon that's killing our kids at record levels. That's the point. Amen. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, if, if every last thing is going to draw us into a war around the world, but then when you have at the border chemical warfare by China, which is really our biggest adversary um, through the Mexican cartels, flooding our country with all sorts of problems. But, you know, obviously this chemical warfare, it makes no sense that we would not use our military at our own border, pr practically the only place in the world we do not use it. Um, I want to get to another sphere of this domestically. How much of this is the fact that, um, so for years they said, well, you know, all the drug laws didn't work. But there's not working, and there's not working. There's, you know, back in the day when we used to say that, that's when we had 10, 15, and 20,000 drug deaths a year. Um, over the last, I want to say, 10 years, state and federal governments have gotten very permissible with drug traffickers. Um, as you well know, I've covered this issue for a while. We've gotten into this de-incarceration agenda, obsessive, obsessive, pro-criminal, radical left de-incarceration agenda. Both parties got roped into it. They created certain straw man arguments to just go extremely in the other direction. And now it's at the point where... Literally, these people that are selling the the fentanyl pills and the you know other drugs laced with fentanyl, killing people, they literally nothing happens to them. It's unbelievable. How, so, how much of it is also the loss of the deterrent at the law enforcement end? All right, so that's another really good question. So, in my perspective, and I follow this every single day, and I talk to law enforcement every day. I feel that the law enforcement agencies, even though that they're overworked, underpaid, underappreciated, they're still saving so many lives every day. If you just look at the one statistic I gave you, the DEA, uh, 20 million pills times 40 percent of potentially lethal pills, they've, they've saved the lives of millions of people. Now, here's the thing. Anybody that's talking about decriminalization of drugs right now, it's a terrible message because these kids are having really, you know, mixed messages coming, right? At one point, their parents are telling them now, stay away from these drugs, they're bad, they're bad. And then you have the government and the congressmen and this and that for their own political agendas are talking about, we need to stop locking people up. Locking people up is not going to stop this problem, but it's certainly going to help put, you know, the major leaders, if we put major leaders in jail, we extradite the major leaders and we hold them accountable yep. pursuant to the rule of law. And you That's make it more expensive. Right. The yeah, problem yeah, right yeah, now is it's exactly. so cheap. Yeah. And but the other thing, Daniel, like we, we've lost 
years of education because no one understood the evolution. Remember, 2014, we started Operation Deadly Merchant at the Special Operations Division because we saw the fentanyl madness coming. We briefed Eric Holder. We created pamphlets. We gave them out to state and locals. But leaders in the government at the highest level, in the cabinet levels, they didn't lead. They didn't recognize this as a state of emergency even back in 2014. Quite frankly, they really didn't care. They really didn't care. And that's really sad. So it's, it's a mess. And I feel that there's too many leaders that are not properly educated on what the real issues are. They're still looking at the drug problem from like the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. They don't realize right now this is a, a war on our country. This is not anything we've ever seen before. So it's a very complex issue, Dan, but these lunatics out there that are actually creating these mixed messages for our kids is the worst thing that could be done right now. It's the worst thing. The cartels are getting richer. The bad guys are getting more powerful. The technology that's being deployed around the world is helping the bad guys in so many ways, and we're losing the ability to work. But I'll tell you what, I was on the border. I'm proud of the the law enforcement Department of Public Safety, the Border Patrol, despite the conditions that they're under, they can't even do border security. They're doing border processing and migrant processing, you know, and, and babysitting and paperwork all day. And they're disgusted because they want to protect America. You would think the White House would want to protect America. Like, where the hell is the border czar? I, I know I, t- I said that before, but that, that drives me crazy. Where's the accountability? Where's the outrage from the people? that our leaders are not being held accountable for these deaths. It's, it's outrageous, staggering. And all they do is they just throw hundreds of billions of dollars. I counted it's over 300 billion over the last decade to these NGO drug addiction oh. treatment programs. And it's like, yes, wh- 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 where are the results? What are you doing with that? That's yeah, not where exactly. it's at. But I everyone feels bad and always gives them money. Listen, there's no doubt we need to spend money on drug education, treatment, rehabilitation. No doubt about it. Just like we got to help the homeless. We got to do a lot. We have to spend money. But where in the hell is the accountability for results? If you're spending billions and millions of dollars for treatment and these addiction centers and, and the leaders of these centers are just taking money and not, not doing their job and not seeing the results, no one's on top of this. They're not designating people to be responsible. They have to start firing people when they don't show positive results. And that's really something that is, is totally looked over. Like people aren't asking for that accountability. But let's be honest, Dan, over the last couple of years, the rule of law has gone away. Like people get away with burning down buildings, killing yep. people, it seems like, and, and all these violent crimes as the cities are imploding. So, so the rule of law is deteriorating because leadership is putting out all these mixed messages. Like the border's closed. Oh no, the border's open, the border's closed. Like, it's insanity. Like, anybody understands. Like, my AUKUS last week was grilled two weeks ago because he says that they have operational control of the border. That's an outright lie to the public. Like, why would he say that? Anybody that knows anything about what's going on in the border will tell you that that is just absolutely wrong. It's absolutely wrong. There's no control at the border at all. Yeah, no, I mean that that that's the most obvious aspect of this entire thing because we need to shut it for five other issues. But I, I like your idea that, you know, everyone was always like the war on drugs failed. But the problem is because it was always half assed. It was always you know, on the one hand, we banned it, but then on the other hand, we were kind of permissible on it, and we never went after the source of it. The source of it. I mean, and that's the thing. Um, why wouldn't we obviously shoot down their drones, keep out all their people, um, blow up their facilities, but not only don't we go to war with them, we actually partner with them to take their contraband off their hands and basically create an immigration system that gives them billions of dollars a year. I mean, when you look at the border numbers, so we're going to wind up with 2 million apprehensions this year, and then then you have the gotaways, which they make more money off of because they're often the criminal aliens, so they they cross with you know more like fifteen thousand a pop, so they earn a ton of money off of that, off of these policies. You could not possibly come up with worse policies. But I do have to ask you, what about the other ends of the spectrum? So you know I have libertarians in this audience, and they'll say, look, you know, why don't you just 
cut the whole thing, uh, legalize everything so there's no black market anymore and you don't have to worry about the poisoning. What would you say to those saying that? First of all, it's insanity, number one, because the drugs that are being made and being shipped and being sold are, are poison and it's going to be a black market. We already see it with marijuana. Like when you talk about taxing drugs, okay, you're taxing drugs. What do you think the cartels are going to do? They're going to undercut the price, just like the Chinese did with the money laundering pickups. They don't charge commission or the commission is very low because mm-hmm. they just put the they put the, uh, the, the the South American and, you know, Hispanic money launderers out of business because they they knew how to do it. They're business savvy. If you have all these uh, legal like marijuana locations all over America, what do you think is going to happen? Why would you want to pay, you know, like fifty dollars more for a quantity of marijuana when you could get it fifty dollars yes. cheaper? Like that's that's just the reality. People don't realize that. There's going to be a huge black market. There already is. Okay, the Chinese actually have marijuana grow operations all over the West Coast. They buy real estate all over these beautiful neighborhoods. They they set up these sophisticated grow operations and they're pushing marijuana all over the country. And and their pricing is is much much more affordable than what any legal marijuana yeah. location would be selling it for. And it, and the cartels are even better in a, in a lot of ways because they understand the market. But my big thing is, is we shouldn't be putting poisonous substances in our body. There's too many studies, too much education. Sure. Uh, there's, there's too much out there already to know that it's bad. So no, why no, are we promoting I, I, I agree with kids? you, and I think the proof's in the, in the pudding know, because, because, Derek, we did it. I mean, half the states legalized it. The other half don't really do much about it. Marijuana is essentially legal, and it's worse than it's ever been, both because, like you said, they've got in on it. The cartels have growing sites in America, so now it's under the color of law. They, 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 they get in on it. And number two, it's not about marijuana anymore. That's the thing. Um, you know, you could legalize it all you want. The deaths are coming from all these other, you know, poisonous chemicals, and getting people roped into blatantly marijuana certainly isn't going to help. But- um, you know, keep them away from the other stuff. Doing, the last thing we should be doing now is making people think that using drugs is okay. And that's been some, some part of the problem. I mean, young kids, they're just getting too many mixed messages. We have yep. to be really decisive and really clear. Don't use these drugs. They will kill you. And they are killing you at record levels. Dan, we have never seen this amount of Americans dead from poisonous drugs. It's never happened. This is this is like something we never happened. And by the way, I might add that I'm not aware and maybe you're aware of a terrorist organization that has killed more Americans than the cartels. I don't know of any. Okay. If you look at the numbers, they're staggering over the last, you know, years. And we didn't even discuss the methamphetamine trade right now. That's that's off the charts as well. Look at the seizure that was made in November at a tractor trailer that had a seventeen thousand five hundred pounds of meth and 388 pounds of fentanyl in the tractor trailer like that's that's historic beyond historic that's because the industrial labs in mexico are pumping out three tons of meth every few days or seven tons whatever the hell it is because they have the chemical flow coming in well wait you're talking about meth right yeah i'm talking about meth never seen the amount of meth that's in this country the seizures are off the charts i track the seizures every month Look at the Border Patrol and then CBP. They seized 190,000 pounds last year of meth on the border. And then you look at what the DEA and other agencies have seized. It's off the charts because they have the chemicals flowing in from China and they make it in industrial labs in Mexico. And then they get the money moved so quickly with the Chinese helping them. So business is booming. And by the way, Dan, you may not know this because this isn't very well publicized. And I don't even know if the AP report is is 100% accurate, but, uh, you know, it's a trusted news organization. There was a lab hit in Mexico, Sinaloa, Mexico, October 28th, last year. The lab had 260 pounds of, of, of fentanyl in it, but they, they put out in a news report that that lab was producing 70 million fake pills per month. 70 mm-hmm. million. That's what, the, that's what the report put out, Dan. And, and so I anticipate that this fentanyl is going to be going around the world, too. It's not just going to be coming into America because that's what they did with the cocaine business and the methamphetamine business because they're a multi-billion dollar enterprise that wants to make more money. And the hugs for thugs policies 
are a catastrophic failure. That's why crime is through the roof. That's yep. why the Mexican president who wants to hug Chapo Guzman's mother and wants to have meetings with the Sinaloa cartel. Let me tell you something. And by the way, Daniel, another thing that you may not be up to speed about, the DEA recently working with U.S. attorneys in New York and other agencies, Homeland Security, they indicted and extradited the former president of Honduras. His brother, Tony Hernandez, is in jail after trial in New York. He was involved with a 185-ton cocaine conspiracy with the Sinaloa cartel. So the corruption down there is off the charts. And we're going to continue to give them multi-billion dollars as the border czar goes down there and is going to figure out the root causes. You can't give these people a dime. The, 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 the poor people are not getting the money. It's the rich, corrupt politicians yep. that are keeping all the money. You can only imagine with Ukraine where that money is going to. I mean, we keep repeating the right, same exactly. mistakes. It's all done by design. By the way, I find that fascinating because it's important to um, realize with the meth, meth is a psychostimulant. So it's the opposite, really, of an opioid in many respects. So it's it's a polydrug chemical warfare crisis. It's on the demand side. They you know basically created a depressed destroyed generation of people, uh, capping it off with COVID fascism and and really a destroyed medical sector in America. And that's a whole other sphere of this. And then on the supply side, decriminalized from a criminal justice standpoint. Then they go open up our borders, mollycoddle China. I mean, you couldn't possibly create a worse perfect storm. Um, but we're, this is definitely... You know, because of everything that has happened to our people and the pandemic of depression that they've induced upon people, um, and then also the lack of availability of drugs. I mean, I myself had to almost, uh, I mean, we didn't do anything illegal, but had to uh, really find innovative ways of getting people treatment for COVID because they uh, they blocked that. You know, the doctors are the drug cartels now, and the cartels are the doctors. <laughs> the world's upside down. So... You know, really, the worst amalgamation of policies you could a actually think of. It's done by design. Um, this is all done on purpose. Uh, before I let you go, um, is there a way to hit China for this, or is or is that just kind of you know neutralizing the cartels? Well, first of all, it's China is a topic that we could go on all day on. I'm not an expert on China, but what I would say is that President Trump Trump did have success in curtailing the, the, the bombing directly to America. Yeah, the Chinese are smart and they figured out ways around that, just like they did with the other synthetic drugs. But there is so much that can be done with the Mexican cartels, but we have to be way more aggressive and we can't let the bureaucrats make the decisions. We have to have the leadership at the Department of Justice, Department of Homeland Security, the military, the intelligence community, and ultimately the White House to understand what, what's going on in this country and then make the bold decisions. I'm not saying we do it unilaterally without Mexico, but there should be a huge contingent of American diplomats down in Mexico. They should have been there already to discuss yep. the options that we have on the table to destroy these labs. Because, Daniel, you know what's happening in Mexico? They're not even going after the labs anymore. When DEA had cooperation, they would go out with the CMAR and other units in Mexico, and they would destroy meth and fentanyl labs and other cocaine processing and you know, distribution networks and, and take out high value targets. The current administration is actually shutting down yep. the foreign law enforcement's ability to even do their job in Mexico because he doesn't believe in aggressively going after these cartels. He's into the hugs, the thugs, <laughs> and, you know, everybody is, is doing a good job. And my philosophy is, and I'll make this really clear, the president should be focusing on keeping the thugs the bugs and the drugs out of this country. That should be a priority. That's real simple. Right, Daniel? That's not really hard to understand, right? Who's going to argue with that? Look, look at the terror watch list. There was 42 people that were on the terrorism watch list that we apprehended at the border on the Joe Biden's administration. But here's the scary part. Those are the ones that we apprehended. How about in these 700,000 gotaways or whatever the hell it is? in his administration that have run across the country. Don't you think there was some terrorists in, in, the, in the percentages are definitely, you know, these people don't want to, they don't want to talk to law enforcement, so they're going to run across the border. So it's quite scary, and it's really a dereliction of duty. And I hope that, I hope if the Congress changes in November, they seriously look at impeachment of certain 
high-level government officials that are not doing their job, like the DHS secretary who's lying to Congress, who's lying to the public, because anybody that would look at an American and say, we have operational control over the border, that is yep. unbelievable. Like, that is, and, doesn't get any stupid. And I that. can't blame the Mexican government either, because if you if you look at the Mexican government, why should they put themselves out against the cartels if they know our government is pro the cartels? If we make it clear right. that times yes. are changing and this is what we're doing, you're with us or you're against us, that will change yes. the landscape there. But um, they know that the, the Biden relies on uh, the cartels for a steady supply of voters. So, you know, they're not exactly yeah. going to change that. And and the Mexican government operates based on that assumption. Um, you know, this is, again, very scary times and just underscores that the war is on our own border. It's against our own people. It is not what the media is focusing on on any given issue, any given time. This is where it's at. Um, Derek, it reminds me of the old days. This is great. Let's do this again soon. And uh, thanks so much for all your work. Excellent. I appreciate it. And anytime you need me back, I will be there, Daniel. Thank you very much and have a great day. God bless you. Take care. So again, folks, that was Derek Maltz. Some of you might remember him from the good old days. What a heart. He really has a heart of gold. You could hear the passion in his voice. Uh, he's like that old-time law enforcement guy that just genuinely cares. You know, my only um, difference with him is I, I just don't have that trust in any government agency anymore. He somehow still thinks, you know, you could fix DEA and justice and DHS. And, you know, and, and look, there's a few of people like him left. I, I do know one of the um, big bureau chiefs in DEA. Um, I can't mention him publicly, but... You know, he he tells me all this stuff going on with illegal immigration. And again, you have to realize a lot of the people they catch are illegals. In fact, most of them at a primary trafficking level. And I just want to make this very clear. Our goal never is that you're going to solve all death, all drugs, all this, all that. It's you don't turbocharge it. You, you minimize it in law enforcement. You do the basic job that you're supposed to be doing to protect your country and why we have a government, right? It doesn't have to be this way. You're never going to prevent all drugs, every last thing. That's not the goal. But I think his point is simple. Number one, if you didn't have illegal immigration, it would make it a lot harder for them to you know, they'd get a lot less money. They'd have you know a lot fewer traffickers. Be much more expensive to then start hiring Americans. They're not as trusted. They don't have their ability to get their networks in. I'd also note, and I've said this before, through the demographic changes they've made in America, they could um, slip through a lot more and and you know keep their drug labs. This happens a lot in certain neighborhoods now. Um, that couldn't you know it would stick out like a sore thumb uh, yesteryear. And and then, yeah, I mean, why not just freaking bomb every single drug factory in Mexico? We know where they are. Okay. Oh, well, Daniel, they'll get around it. Really? How? They'll, they'll still be able to get drugs in, but boy, oh boy, is that going to set them back? Dropping one bomb per place costs a lot less money than... The $320 billion we've spent over 10 years and growing every year on these stupid, dubious uh, drug addiction programs. To me, you just beat the bad guys, and we need to be doing this anyway for several other reasons. So that's my view on this issue. Um, but broadly speaking, this is the theme that I believe we need to stand for. Whole life from conception until natural death. Okay. It's not just abortion. Let's not only get focused on legacy issues. They're killing us in many, many ways. Until now, we could just tune out politics and live our life, okay? You know, some decrepit values, profligate spending, stupid government policies. Now, it's literally our lives on the line. Our government works with China and other bad actors to poison us. Poison us with viruses, poison us with medical treatment, clot shots, blocking the proper treatment, and now we got issues with the food supply. Got all these recalls going on. They had a recall with chocolate, recall for uh, baby formula. What's going on with that? The drug poisoning. All of this together. Something is not right. We need to start with state sovereignty 
I don't believe you're ever going to win with DEA and justice. I mean, I'm done with that. That's where I, you know, differ from Derek. It's hard. He worked in that his entire lifetime. But I'm, you know, state sovereignty and, and personal sovereignty. We need to start parallel economies, form our own institutions. That's the thing. You're not going to save those institutions. Those institutions are all corrupted and part of the problem. We're not just fighting tyranny. We're fighting transhumanism. We are literally lab rats. Think about that. They can and will do anything to us and our kids imaginable. We must be forewarned. Um, hope today was a good change of pace for you. want to kind of mix it up with some of the topics. But again, you see how it all ties back into the same theme. We'll get to some of the latest uh, clot shot news tomorrow and the pandemic treaty that Biden is endorsing and expanding. Uh, we'll probably have a guest on to discuss that. Send me your comments, questions, concerns to Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating at iTunes. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>